0: To Edition 76, Joe versus the World. It is Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame season, that most wonderful time of the year. Sometimes I think, you know, hey, I'm a pretty smart guy. You know, I, I should have a ballot. I'd be a good voter. And then I see the mounds of research and analysis my guest does, and I think, eh, maybe not. So nice, he's on twice. It's new Hall of Fame voter, Dylan Hales. Dylan, how are you doing?
1: I am doing very well. That was a uh, remarkably nice introduction. That's probably not true either, but. I'll, I'll I'll take the compliment. I do have a tendency to over over research things when I decide that I want to fixate on them. So, uh, and and yes, you are right. I have been uh, the the powers on high have bestowed me with a ballot this year. So, uh, this 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 show is going to be uh, probably an exercise in me uh, working out my ideas about some of these candidates. So uh, it has some utility, too. It's not purely for fun.
0: <laughs> All right. I sent out a, uh, a somewhat joking tweet last Friday because everyone in my feed was like, yep, got my ballot, got my ballot. Even, uh, even Rob Viper, who fights with Dave on a weekly basis. I, uh, I was feeling like Charlie Brown on Halloween by the
1: point. <laughs> I, well, you know, it's, I really feel like, um, and, and this, this is probably not the smartest idea to, to or time for me to attack uh, the rationale of Dave and who he, Dave Meltzer and who he gives ballots to since I got one this year, but some, <laughs> sometimes I think it is pretty friggin' arbitrary because I see somebody like yourself uh, who, who doesn't have one, or like Rich Craig from uh, Voices of Wrestling who doesn't have one, and I'm like, why why do, why do they not have
2: one?
1: <laughs> but I I don't get it. The only the only thing I can tell you is uh, uh you know. If you if you if you're willing to exchange long tedious emails with Dave, it probably increases the probability of you kidding Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did that a lot this year.
0: <laughs> that probably does uh, it. I really like talking Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I was worried this would be um this would be too early, but uh, the ballot drop Friday, a lot of changes. Oh, man. Not the first podcast, but the uh, Voices of Wrestling rolled went out with Bix, so definitely check that out. I haven't listened to that yet, so I didn't want to get. Uh, get spoiled uh, or steal any of their ideas but before we get into it I want to um, I want to take a step back do you think the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame is the most contentious one I say that because it seems like everything can be argued and debated even much more than even say the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame like certainly certainly ring work is, um, is up for debate I'm sure there are wrestlers you despise that others you know would vote in based on their ring work and but even even things like drawing power you know people look back and say, well, Superstar Graham had a lot of help on the undercard during his run that was so great and so-and-so didn't. And if you look at someone like the fabulous Moolah, who was a women's champ for <laughs> three decades and one of the most famous women wrestlers ever, someone thinks she's a slam dunk. Others, I think Bix called her the worst candidate on the ballot. So. Yeah.
1: Um, I think it is probably, as a plane flies over my head, <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, it's always, it always works that way. Always. Either that or a police siren. Um, I, I feel like uh, it is probably, I don't know if it, I can't think of any existing Hall of Fame that is more debate. I mean, obvi- you could argue the Baseball Hall of Fame if you're cro- if you're comparing across, you know, uh, fields or whatever. Be- just because of all the steroid stuff and the, the PED issues and things that have popped up in recent years. Um, and, and I think sort of the, rela- the issue there with the Veterans Committee, which I think is always sort of controversial with certain people and, um, so I, I I guess you could maybe argue the Baseball Hall of Fame, but even there I don't feel like you get nearly the intense debate about individual figures. Usually, when you see debates like with the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's big picture stuff. It's like, well, how do we deal with these guys who were cheaters? You know, do or how, how do you deal with closers? Should 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 closers be uh, sort of really great? You know, should should we have ten really great closers in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Or is that such a sort of non-essential position? Uh, it's not even really a position, but role, that you don't need ten of, them, you know. Um, yeah. Whereas with this, you know, a lot of the debate, in fact, the majority of the debate, focuses on a, tons of different individual candidates. So I think on the macro level, or, or the micro level, rather, almost for sure the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame is the most uh, consistently debated debated Hall of Fame. And it's debated year-round. I mean, even when the season's mm-hmm. not going on, you can still find people arguing on, on Twitter or on message boards or, or whatever about, you know, sort of individual guys and things coming up. And I'm probably one of the more guilty parties there, but I'm certainly not the only person doing that.
0: Now, just um, just getting into the, the voting process, how do you feel about the, the minimum requirements, which is uh, 15 years or age 35 with 10 years of experience? Do you – I really think the minimum age should – I think forty is a good number. Some people push for higher, but I think when you're forty, your your story is largely written. I don't. I mean, there are always exceptions, but I don't know if you're going to do a lot after forty to where you know you're going to drastically change. Like, oh, you, you'll get over the hump somehow.
1: I, you know, I, ca- I. This is a strange thing to say, but to me, um, I think John Cena is the last guy. Uh, for a variety of reasons. But I think he's the last guy, and I didn't have a ballot last year or, or whatever, but whenever he went out, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but it was, I, you know, I think it was two years ago, actually. But the the, the point is, to me, John Cena was the last guy where um, it was pretty clear, even at 35 or however many years in the business he was in at the time, at the existing minimum requirement, basically, that nothing he could do after was going to going to hurt him. I mean he 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 reached that point. And more to the point with Cena, I felt like because there were people saying, well, I'm not going to vote for anybody who's an active wrestler, uh who's in the prime of their career and which I think is sort of the point that you're driving at here and I mm. as a rule I agree with that, but I didn't like the idea of Cena being the guy people vote against because there's already this insane bias against the guy. And uh, to to me he's the last guy so, like, last year when Tanahashi got in, you know, and this is a huge thing with me, but I, I thought it was ridiculous because I thought it was way too early. Um, and on top of the fact that I thought it was way too early, I don't feel like there's anybody post-Cena who we need to be saying, you know, it's still the prime of their career, let's throw them in. Unless something major happens, unless we have another huge boom period or something of that ilk, I feel like that period is sort of closed. So... It's not so much that I have a problem with the existing time frame. I'd be perfectly fine with bumping it to 40 or even 45. In fact, if Dave were to put something like that to a vote, I'd probably vote for 45, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not so much that I have a problem with it as it stands, so much as it is I don't think that there's anybody now. Like CM Punk, for example, who's on the ballot this year. Um, there's no reason he has to go in right now. We can wait for five years and think about CM Punk. There's no, there's no compelling reason why we have to vote on him now. There's no, there's no, I mean, there's a good, there's a good argument, even if he never wrestles again, that his candidacy is going to look better in five years anyway. So, yep. there's, it's a, it's a tough question. And I, I understand the arguments on both sides, but ultimately I would rather err on a more restrictive and harder to get into Hall of Fame, which is why, you know, 40 or 45 would be preferable to me.
0: All right, and um, just kind of it's kind of a weird question as you, you look at the candidates here. There are some, I imagine as you've been a fan a long time, more and more candidates are coming up. You've basically seen every facet of their career as it happened, with Edge, Punk, and, and Randy Orton coming up. Whereas, as to me, someone like the Junkyard Dog, who's back on the ballot this year, I was only aware of him when he came to the WWF. I'd never experienced his Mid-South run in to do so, I would have to, I have to research, go watch old tapes, what have you, or someone like a Big Daddy who I'd never heard about till well after the fact. Do you think, as you approach this, do you think it's better to have experienced everything so you know, or is it better to kind of not have any maybe personal attachments you have to the errors as they unfold? It just do
1: that's uh, kind of cold uh, analysis. Yeah, I mean that's a really tough question, but it actually is something I've thought about before because. You often um, people like myself who who uh really get into the research end of a lot of these guys, one of the criticisms that I think is is levied against us a lot is uh that we we miss the forest from the trees and, and you know you don't you don't see what's going on in real time and it's you know, you sort of fixate on these historical figures because you're trying to uncover something. You're trying to uncover a forgotten person or whatever. Uh and you and you miss the greatness of CM Punk or Whoever wrestler X that's right in front of you, I don't. I'm not entirely dismissive of that notion. Um, however, when I look at the actual guys who who are, you know, do fall into that category of guys where I've experienced the entirety of their career or are close to it at the very least, um, they tend to be guys where I think the negatives are really easy to point to. And, uh, I, you know, and, and like, Edge is a good example, and, and I don't even know how you want to run down this going forward, so I, I don't want to go too deep into this with Edge. But I'll just say, if you look at Edge's, you know, you know for all the positives that somebody like because Dave Meltzer, uh, you know, I don't, he's never publicly said he vote, votes for Edge, I don't think. But it's pretty obvious that he votes for Edge and thinks he's a Hall of Famer. And, yeah. you know, to me, I look at Edge as somebody who lived through his entire career. I don't even think he's all that close to being a Hall of Famer. Um, and when I, when I look at, you know, when I sort of step back and look at some of the metrics and analysis and research that I would apply to other wrestlers from older eras, you know, I don't think really that helps Edge all that much. Like, if you look at Edge's WrestleMania record, uh, and who he wrestled on WrestleMania, where he was placed on the card, how those matches were promoted, he certainly doesn't feel like a Hall of Famer. So, um, it's, to me, this is a, uh, that's a tough debate. I think it is easily... I think it's easier to say no to people um, from the historic region or from, a you know, the older era in a more dismissive way. But I also think it's probably easier for us to um, overrate them and sort of see things that aren't necessarily there if we're not careful. Uh, whereas with the modern candidates, a lot of it I feel like it's a gut feeling. Like you live through it and it's like, okay... Um, yes or no and it's it's very hard to be persuaded one way or the other because once your opinion's fixed even if somebody's throwing numbers or research at you it's like well yeah but i lived through this <laughs> yeah you know it's tough I, I don't i don't really have an answer for that one i think that's actually a good but difficult question to answer
0: no just there's been some interesting discussion about the original class of 1996 that was just inaugurated by Dave and people going back and thinking Hey, why was this person included in the first ballot and not voted in later? Do you have anyone on that original list who jumps out at you?
1: Um, there's, a, I mean, there's
0: a lot of people
1: that I think should have been put to the vote. I mean, mm. there's a lot. Uh, like I, I, and that's that's not a knock on Dave, uh, you know, because, um, I don't think he really realized how much this was going to take off when he did it.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, so so I think I think uh, like a guy like Bret Hart, for example it's pretty hard to come up with a compelling argument for why Bret Hart should have been a Fiat inductee in 1996. Like I, 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 and that's not a knock on Bret. I would vote for him now if he was on the ballot, but it's hard for me to look at him in 1996. um, Even though the bulk of his career was already gone. And in many ways, the peak of his career was already done. It's hard for me to look at him in that context and say, Oh yeah, this guy, he's certainly a first ballot guy. Uh, But I think there's a litany of guys. I think DiBiase should have been put to the vote. I think Roddy Piper, who's another guy I absolutely would have voted for, but I still think he should have been put to the vote. I think Ricky Steamboat should have been put to a vote. Dynamite Kid should have been put to a vote. Stu Hart should have been put to a vote. I mean, there's quite a few that I strongly feel should have, should have been tested on the ballot because what you have now, I think, is you've got some, you know, you've got guys who are on the ballot now who you could make a case are stronger candidates than people who were inducted just by fiat in that first class. And rather than say, you know, well, that's an absolute reason why we should vote for somebody like, say, Jimmy Hart, who I think would qualify, mm-hmm. I think a better way of looking at that would be to say, you know, these people who were inducted by fiat really should have been put on the ballot first. So there's, there's a lot of them. Um, yeah, I'd probably say there's at least 10 to 20 that were in that first class that I would have rather seen voted on.
0: Is there anyone you think didn't doesn't belong in?
1: Um, I I wouldn't say that there's anybody that I ab like I I have question marks about Stu Hart to be honest. Um, I I and it's not so much that I know I wouldn't have voted for Stu Hart. I I I wouldn't vote for Stu Hart in a hypothetical world where he was on the ballot and now wasn't already inducted. Um, But I look at Stu Hart and I compare him to somebody like Don Owen, who's not in and who gets really cavalierly dismissed by a lot of people. Um, And it's hard for me to ascertain what Stu Hart did other than, you know, have sex with his wife a lot and have a lot of kids. (laughs) Like, I, I, I I don't understand what other metric he has going for. Now, I know he was a wrestler and he was a somewhat successful wrestler, but I don't think anybody would argue that he's... In the Hall of Fame as a wrestler, I think he's in the Hall of Fame as a promoter and as a patriarch, and um, you know, and, and maybe to some degree as a trainer. But you know, there there are other guys who've done similar things that you know don't don't get a strong consideration or get no consideration at all. So um, you know, like for example, the the, the Welch family, uh, uh, you know. So and 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 I mean, it's not like Stampede was a super successful promotion. <laughs> it really wasn't. Yeah. So. Um, uh, you know, I, I not not to say that I... I can't say that I think Stu Hart doesn't belong, but I he's one of these guys where it's like, I'm not so sure that a more serious, detached, you know, look at what he actually did in wrestling would make him look much worse than what we think of him now. Uh, I think his reputation's probably inflated by the fact that he had a lot of kids, and, uh, you know, they either married wrestlers or became wrestlers, so...
0: I wonder who uh went in first. Two were Brett and then the other one. It was like a chicken and egg thing.
1: <laughs> they were they were wedded to each other. They yeah. they they went in they went in together in that first class in a, a incestuous bond.
0: Yeah, I D was the one that kinda always raised my eyebrow like oh, you're okay. <laughs> it's like, alright, I, I I guess, but yeah, I certainly wouldn't have a problem with him getting voted in. He was always the one that I thought, you know, First ballot, you know, with all the other names out there, like, oh, okay.
1: But, yeah, I mean, he's not a bad pick. It's not. It's not like. It's not like if DiBiase was on the ballot now, you'd be like, I don't know about him. I think I think he'd probably be voted in. But yeah, he's he's somebody where I think you have to think about it. You know, to me, a first ballot guy is somebody where there's virtually no real argument against them their inclusion. Like, you you have to really stretch the bounds of reason to get to a point where you can say they don't belong. Whereas with a lot of these guys, I, I you know that we've mentioned, or you know, I think you can make arguments that would say, well, I, I'm not so sure about this, you know. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's others that we haven't mentioned, but uh, again, Dave didn't realize it was going to be this big of a deal, so I don't fault mm-hmm. him a ton for that. Um, it's just uh, it's just in a way it's unfortunate for some of these guys. Who we'll get to, I'm sure, because I feel like uh, they maybe should have been inducted in that first class if he was going to do it that way.
0: It is a strangely churlish argument to make because pretty much everyone <laughs> belongs in. That it's just when they got in. But um, you include Piper on that list because I thought given his role in the national expansion.
1: I, 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 to me, Piper somebody that should be put to the test. Um, I I, uh, I would probably now if you if you were to line up say Piper. Steamboat, uh, Dibiase, Dynamite Kids, Stu Hart, Bret Hart, Vader—sort of a lot of the people that I'm skeptical about being first ballot guys. Piper probably the first one I pick to go in of the list, hmm. but you know, Piper's kind of my cutoff. I feel like um, he's a borderline first first ballot guy or you know first wave guy, uh, and I would err on the side of a borderline guy being put to the vote rather than a borderline guy being just tossed in. So. Yeah, uh, but, but I could see an argument for him, probably almost for sure more so than any of those other people I named as a guy who should go just have been dumped in right away.
0: Uh, is there anyone who's never been nominated you think should at least be on the ballot?
1: Oh, there's there's quite a few. Uh, oh. uh, Yoshiaki Fujiwara has never been on the ballot. Really? Uh, yep, never. Oh. Uh, I don't believe anyway. Uh, El Dandy I don't think has ever been on the ballot. Um, I think he absolutely should be. Uh, George Kidd, uh, who's a UK uh, influential figure in U.K. wrestling history, I think should be on the ballot. Uh, Baron Leone, uh, Lou Darrow, both of those guys are sort of uh, major figures in the history of Los Angeles wrestling. Um, there's, there's a lot. Sputnik Monroe, I think you could make an argument for as somebody who deserves to be on the ballot. who's never been on. Uh, there, there's a whole, whole lot. I'm probably forget. I'll, I'll even throw out a, a controversial, uh, a couple of controversial ones that I think a lot of people would sort of cavalierly dismiss on the surface. Uh, I think you can make a good argument that the high flyers and Greg Valentine deserve to be on the ballot. Uh, and not only that they deserve to be on the ballot, but that they're they're, they're actually reasonably viable candidates. Mind you, I'm not saying I'd vote for them.
2: Uh, mm-hmm.
1: But but do, as somebody who's done research on both. I think both of them have vastly better careers than, than they're probably given credit for. I think Greg is defined in large part by sort of a sad decline after his peak, and the high flyers are sort of defined by the fact that Greg is sort, Greg sort of seen of a joke uh, because, hmm. you know, of the nepotism angle. But, um, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, a whole lot of uh, – Bill Dundee would be another one. I mean, Bill, he's never been on the ballot. Uh, wow. You know, and I absolutely think he should be on the ballot. So there's quite a few. Um, I don't think by any means that the ballot that, that that we're you know we've exhausted the pool of people who are worthy of consideration. I'm Tommy Rich, you know, is another one. So I, I literally could probably name 50 people who who I who I would consider. You know, I'm not just naming them because I think oh well they deserve it. These are all people who I would at least think about voting for. I might not vote for them, but I'd at least think about it. And uh, there's a lot of people on the ballot right now who I wouldn't even think about voting for. Mm. So um, that's, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot.
0: On that note, who's the worst guy in the hall?
1: Who's the worst guy in the hall? Yep. Um, this is the, the, well, the, the most ridiculous inductee is Kurt Angle because he was reduct- inducted in 2004, which is just way too early. I mean, even if you think he's justified it after the fact, I think it's absolutely impossible for a a sensible person to argue that a guy who'd been in wrestling for five years at that point was not a major drawing card. You know, there was no evidence that he was going to be influential one way or the other at that point. Yes, he was thought of as a tremendous worker, but, I mean, he had five years under his belt. To me, that's just way, I mean, that's nuts. So, to to me, he's the most ridiculous inductee um and he's also pretty clearly the reason that Dave sort of changed the rule and made, you know, yeah. 15 years after <laughs>
2: Davey. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, you know, uh which begs the question why Dave even put him on the ballot, but that's a a different hmm. subject and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to pick on him. Um, I, he probably didn't foresee that. But uh, you know, the worst, I would say the least deserving and this is really hard because I I, I don't have the entire list right in front of me. But I've studied this so extensively, I'm pretty good about remembering everyone who's in. And I would say Ultimo Dragon's probably the least deserving yeah. person in.
0: Yeah. That I, was the... Um,
1: yeah. I mean, if you force me to pick one, I would say Ultimo. Um, I understand, you know, the arguments that people have made for Ultimo, but I don't think they're terribly compelling. And uh, when I think you compare him to a lot of both his peers and his predecessors... He either stacks up pretty comparably to people who nobody would consider hall of famers, or he pales in comparison to people who, who you know, one particular person who has struggled on the ballot and has been there forever and is in danger of falling off this year, and that's Grand Hamada. So um, yeah, I don't I don't think Altamod Altima is the one guy where I kind of just go, he okay, he clearly got voted in because people you know, looked at him as a as an international star of a much bigger scope than he was. I mean, that's the only explanation I can come up with. But
0: uh, I think people felt that he, training all those early Toriyama guys, starting that company, the thing is, the company got bigger after he left. And you can say what you want about the style. They haven't had problems plugging in new wrestlers. So,
1: no, I, mean, I think he's... Yeah. I mean, oh, if, the, if the argument is that he gets credit for the training and sort of the, you know, the... Uh, the development of that training system and, and, you know, sort of being a guy on the forefront of that style to one degree or another, um, I, I wouldn't be entirely dismissive of that, but the problem is, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot else going for him, and you look at a guy like Gran Hamada, who was literally at the forefront of that style, <laughs> and who trained, you know a variety of people had a hand in the development of a variety, a huge number of stars, including the current, you know, critically acclaimed bookers of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Hmm. And uh, you you sort of go, okay, uh, you know, Hamada was also a draw in Mexico, and, you know, he he was a a good worker for a whole lot longer than Ultimo was. So it's like, what the hell is the argument for Ultimo over Hamada? And I actually had that debate not that long ago on Twitter, you know, uh, with somebody I think it was Joe Lanza, actually from Voices of Wrestling, who was, you know, sort of arguing that that Ultimo was a better candidate. And I, I you know, I, that's crazy. I, I think I think if you're if you're looking at it, uh, you know, and comparing those guys head up, Hamada is as strong or stronger than Ultimo in every single category.
0: Um, yeah, I think people tend to overrate Ultimo's success in WCW. Yeah, Not like he was a Mudo in 1989. You know, he was he got some good pops and worked some, you know. Undercard programs.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be like uh, it would be like giving uh, you know LA Park a lot of credit for being the chairman and being an entertaining part of the WCW mid card. You know, I, I mean, I suppose Ultimo was was more pushed in the sense that you know he would get pay per view was more likely to get pay per view singles matches for a title, but I, I think it's pretty hard to argue that Ultimo Dragon was a uh, a meaningfully large star in the United States. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, he was—he he probably was never even the 40th biggest star in the United
0: States.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, back to Kurt Angle for a second. If he – the rules that are in place now are in place back when he was voted in. He wouldn't be eligible till say, 2009. Do you think he – do you think he still – I mean, his run in TNA, I don't think it's a terrible positive. He didn't move numbers, all that. I mean, he drew their biggest buy rate, which was not – Terribly large. Do you think? I, mean, I imagine he still get into people were that fanatic about him back then. But I imagine it wouldn't be as as strong. Uh, I
1: I think it's actually. I think he would have still got in. But I think it, I don't think he would have gotten in quite as easily. Um, I do think he would have still gotten in. I, he would have gotten in regardless because there are a lot of voters uh, who really favor you know guys who are shooters, guys who are legitimate, legitimate tough guys. I think you see that with Steve Williams. You see that with Saido yeah you see that with funaki i mean there there's countless guys who who i think have benefited from that for better or worse and i think he would have benefited from that um so uh you know that was going to happen one way or the other i think brock benefits from that now you know uh hmm. so um to me that he probably would have gotten in anyway um you know i do think his case got better after he was elected in the sense that I thought he had a couple of pretty solid years in the WWE after his after he was elected, including 2005, where he was probably the most popular guy on the roster at points. But um, I, I wouldn't vote for him, to be honest. I mean, if he was on the ballot now, I wouldn't vote for him. But I also have a much lower opinion of him as a worker than you know probably the majority of the electorate. So,
0: how much do you think his uh, his gold medal factor in the people I appreciate? Think like you said, the realness
1: a ton, of it. A ton. I think, I think it's factored in a huge, 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 huge amount. Um, if, if the, it, let's put it this way. If Kurt Angle does not have a gold medal, um, then basically Kurt Angle getting elected in 2004 would be the equivalent of Barry Wyndham being elected in 1988. Mm-hmm. A, guy, a guy that everybody was really high on as a wrestler, who everybody thought was you know going to be the next huge thing, because he was a great in-ring talent. You know, he wasn't quite at the tippy-top of cards, but he was regularly booked in the mix, sort of.
2: Um,
1: that's basically who he was. You know, I mean, the promotion he worked for was more successful, uh, kind of, because because Crockett did some really good business in the late 80s at times. But um, uh, to me, that's, you know, Kurt Angle is basically Barry Windham with a gold medal in terms of when he was elected, so.
0: <laughs> All right, well, we should get into uh, the recently dropped ballot here, and certainly the big some big news has just dropped unannounced. Um, the big change is there—a are a whole bunch of people on the chopping block. Uh, anyone on the ballot more than 15 years—if they don't get 50, at least 50% this year, they're off the list. And we have some big names here. As a voter, are you concentrating more on these wrestlers? Maybe someone you know you wouldn't have had room for originally. You think, well, this is my last chance to vote for them. So, and do you agree with the the idea of kind of culling the uh, the voting process?
1: Um, I. Agree, in theory, with the idea of trying to trim some of the fat. I think the, uh, the, the prescription here is actually going to lead to much bigger problems. Uh, because what's, what my fear with this is that what's going to happen is guys who are deserving candidates in the sense that they've consistently, you know, stayed in that 40 to 45% range, uh, and maybe we're the 11th or 12th guy that, he, you know, the guy, the last guy or the last couple of guys people were cutting on their ballot every year. Um, those are the guys who are going to fall off. And what's going to happen is, uh, you know, uh, this is going to clear the way, in my opinion, for some pretty mediocre modern candidates to get get in. Because what's going to happen is there's going to be less people, there's going to be less of a logjam, it's going to take less uh, to get you over the hump. And people always say, well, you know, you know that's not going to happen because pe- people don't have to vote for all ten. Well, no, they don't have to, but there's a lot of people who do. <laughs> there's a lot of people yeah. who are going to use all ten picks, even if they don't necessarily think somebody's a Hall of Famer. Um, and I think it's going to make it a lot easier for guys like Edge, guys like Randy Orton when he gets on the ballot, uh, guys like Punk, guys like Daniel Bryan, who I, who I you know... I don't, I wouldn't vote for Brian right now, but, uh, that's not that's even necessarily because I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. It's because I, I just, you know, don't feel comfortable with voting a guy this close to his prime. But the, the, I think it creates a real window for a lot of mediocre guys to sort of skate through because the competition's going to dwindle. That aspect of it I hate. Um, it also, it, it absolutely does affect how I look at the ballot and how I'm going to vote, because I was on the fence about whether or not I was going to vote for Lucha. You know, I'm a big Lucha fan, but I've only been a really big uh, uh, Lucha fan for the last six and a half, seven years. And uh, while I do know uh, a, a good bit about Lucha history through talking to guys like Kurt Brown or, or Jose Fernandez or people like that, um, by, by no stretch of the imagination do I, do I consider myself a Lucha historian. Uh, on the flip side of that, I probably know a whole lot more about Lucha than a lot of the people who are voting in that
2: category. Mm. <laughs>
1: so uh I've been kind of on the fence about whether or not to vote. And then I saw that you know Ciancaris is potentially going to be dropped off the ballot, and I think he's one of the strongest guys on the ballot. So now I almost feel compelled to vote in Lucha because I don't want to see him fall off. Because uh, you know to me he's one of the handful of t- uh, most easy, obvious candidates that that there are. So um, it's kind of forcing my hand on that Lucha issue. Uh, you know, some of those other guys, I mean, I was going to vote for Rock and Roll Express and Carlos Colon anyway. Uh, sure. Uh, but, but uh, you know, uh, it, and it kind of, it, it it. the other guy on that list just going off the top of my head that, that I've kind of been on the fence on, you know, Hamada. You know, I, I, I do think he's a Hall of Famer, but I don't think he's a super strong Hall of Famer. Um, but I, I've always sort of wondered well, would I vote for him if I had a ballot. Well, now that I see him sitting in that category, I kind of think eh, I might have to. You know, I don't necessarily think that he's one of the ten strongest guys on the ballot. But unfortunately, this new system, it, it, it I think really, um, it, it you know, it really makes it hard harder to just vote for the ten best guys. It really does uh, because you have to t- take these other things into consideration now.
0: Yeah, uh, Sin goes back to kind of um, kind of experience people lives. when I got into Lucha, he was already in his fifties, and I thought he stunk, and I didn't like him. If you go back and, and watch his earlier stuff, and his his match against Friday de Jalisco, where they I th- they broke Arena Mexico because so many people <laughs> like you break a building like that's a pretty big deal like they couldn't run for months because so many people were packed in that's I mean that's a big deal and if I I mean I think Cologne and the Rock and Roll Express and I think the Andersons will get in this year because there's gonna be that 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 onus like oh if I don't vote for him this year I won't get a chance to and I think everyone else drops off but but I uh. I think Carras definitely belongs in I think Hamada belongs in he would be on if I I think he would make my final ten Cause he he's, a, he's a strong candidate. Article. Yeah, you wrote an excellent article at uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com about underrated candidates, and he was on the list. And like you said, he, he checks up every box in at least, at least some manner. Like there's nothing to yeah, I mean, say, well, he didn't Drew or, or he stunk in the ring or something like that. I mean, there's something there for everything.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think you know the one thing too is like I don't, you know, we we talk about international stardom. You know, Hamada was a much bigger international star than, than a lot of people who've gotten credit, I think, for international stardom. You know, uh, I mean, this was a guy that, uh, you know, was, was a big, you know, was a relevant player here in UWA at their, at their high point. He was a star in Mexico in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, as well as in Japan. So, um, you know, he's, he's a very underrated candidate, and if, if, you think his, if you think his candidacy is purely based on influence, you need to look closer, because there's, there are other things there, because he was a great worker for a long time, and he absolutely does have a, a drawing record, or at least, even if you want to argue that he, you know, oh, well, he was just part of hot programs, well, yeah, but, I mean, the fact that UWA put him in, in, in you know, things like hair matches versus Paraguayo should tell you something. I mean, I should tell you that they they, they saw some value in this guy. So, uh, to me, Hamada is a, uh, a very very underrated candidate. Um, one of many guys on this ballot who who I could vote for. I've by no means made up my mind about who I'm voting for.
0: Yeah, and you can't. I don't think you can underestimate the uh, the influence there with the um, the ULL he formed and the, that the first promotion kind of based around that style and all the guys he broke in. You know. I, that's another uh, another box that's checked. I think, I actually, think he's a pretty strong candidate, and I think he's kind of doomed, and uh, he'll probably fall off, which is just really a shame to me. But
1: yeah, it, it's unfortunate, and especially because I think um, I think he's probably dismissed because of a lot of the people who, who maybe are voting. They see that name, and they just see. Well, he was a guy who was in Mentionoku Pro when I watched it in the 90s. And, you know, you're like, they don't – I don't want to say they're ignorant because I'm not entirely sure that's true. But I think it's very easy to miss how uh, influential and significant a figure he was unless you pay serious attention and unless you actually, you know, look at the long scope of his career instead of just sort of the highlight reel stuff that you might have seen as a tape trader in the, ni- in the 90s.
0: All right, well – Let's get into this year's ballot actually i want this is a little i want to start with someone who won't be on the ballot until next year, I believe, but I was just thinking about him anyway. Randy Orton now Orton will probably wrestle for at least another five years, maybe seven or eight maybe even ten but I, like I said, I don't think he's going to do much to change the narrative I, whenever I think of orton I, all the negatives come to mind first i don't I just think of the you know the the programs, and the, the, the you know, the boring programs and the chinlocky matches. Even though he's been a sizable star for a decade and had some excellent, excellent matches, I think he comes up worse than Edge to me. Like, what, what do you think about him? Not to, not to even add him more to your plate. But.
1: Um, Orton, I think, um, I actually think he's going to do better than I, you know, I, I don't think he's a good candidate. Um, I actually think he's a much worse candidate than Apple. And Batista mm-hmm. fell off the ballot last year. Um, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say much worse. I shouldn't say, because that, that, that people might misunderstand that. But I, I think he's definitely a worse candidate than Batiste. Um, <sighs> he's going to get support because a lot of old-timers think he's a wrestling genius for one reason or another. I don't get it. Uh, there are a lot of people who probably love his dad and his, and his granddad and, and uh, you know, will we'll vote for him, at least in part because of that, whether it's conscious or subconscious. Um He's been around a lot. I mean, if you're one of these guys who thinks longevity on top is is, a, is a, maybe, you know, the absolute top criteria, and there are certainly people who think that, uh, then Randy Orton is, is probably a guy who looks pretty favorable. But to me, Randy Orton is, a, is, is a like Edge and like Sting. He's a guy who fails the Lex Luger test. Uh, to me, Lex Luger is a guy... I would never vote for Lex Luger for a Hall of Fame. So... My my standard is you'd better be an obviously better candidate than Lex Luger if I'm even going to think about you as a Hall of Famer. I mean, like an obvi, like no question about it. You're definitely better, and yes. I don't think any of those guys are definitely better. Um, <laughs> Orton does, you know? I I just don't. He doesn't have the draw. I'm not sure. I, I think Luger's got a better drawing record than Orton. Um, you can debate work. I think most people would consider Orton a better worker. He probably has you know more highs, but a lot of that's the nature of the modern product. I think Luger's best year, 1989, ranks for the best year of any year Randy Orton had. Uh, I don't think either one of them is a terribly influential wrestler. Uh, I think uh, Luger was probably a part of programs and storylines that meant more to the broad you know our of, of the wrestling business, things like the NWO or the Four Horsemen, and stuff like that, than, than anything Randy Orton's ever done. So, to me, Randy Orton doesn't pass the Lex Luger test. And if you don't pass the Lex Luger test, you're not somebody I'm treating seriously. Um, so, to me, he's an easy no. Uh, and I also agree with you that it's going to be, if anything, he's on the downside of his career. It, it's hard to envision anything happening in the next five to ten years that is going to improve his stock. I, I would argue, if anything it's more likely that we're going to see stuff that's going to hurt his stock. So, uh, you know, but I I think he's going to do better than people think. I really do. I think there's a certain type of uh, uh, older fan and older voter that that really thinks he's a genius worker, and I think that's going to go a long way with them because they can couple it with the longevity that he undeniably does have. So uh, I would not be surprised to see Orton get in eventually. He's not going to get in right away, Uh, but but I, I think... It is very possible that Randy Orton will eventually get in. I think um, he has, I would say, uh, probably at least a 50% chance of getting in eventually.
0: Now, um, some nominees got added to the list, just kind of out of nowhere. Some of them very interesting. Uh, El Tejano, Negro Navarro, and El Seno just kind of got unannounced as a trio. They're almost a a slam dunk nominee to me. They're just... uh, Level of stardom, the influence over Lucha for, for decades, like, it's like yeah, that's okay, done. Did you see them at that uh, that high level? Or?
1: Yeah, they, 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 they're an example of somebody that probably should have been on the first. <laughs> they,
0: yeah. they,
1: they, they they probably should have just been absorbed in via fiat, if not in 96, then in 97, when Dave sort of corrected the guys that they forgot the first go around. Um, I mean, trios wrestling doesn't exist without them. Uh, or at least not as the dominant form of wrestling in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, to me, they are one of the strongest acts on the ballot. I'm not necessarily positive they're the very strongest. I've heard some people make that claim, and I I don't think that there's at least one person or one act I I would rate higher, but uh, they're in the absolute... Tip top tier of candidates on this stuff, and that, that's sort of what I mean. It kind of complicates my decision because I can't not vote for them if I vote Lucha. You know, if I yeah. vote Caris, I have to vote for them. You can't you can't not vote for <laughs> you can't not vote in the Lucha category. You know, you have to vote for them if you vote for Lucha. Have to. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, I'm hope I hope they just cruise control in, but I'd be very skeptical of that because Lucha is such a stacked category, and Lucha experts tend to have. The least uh, ability of any other group to coalesce around a common candidate and force mm-hmm. them in. So um, I would, by I don't think I, I'm not confident at all that they're going to get in this year. To be honest, mm-hmm. they should, but I'm not. I'm confident of it.
0: Now, speaking of lucha trios, what about Los Brazos? A very interesting um, candidate to me, like. Big stars for a while. People might look at at what Porky's done and, you know, the comedy aspect, but they were in one of the most famous matches of its era, the the triple mask against the Vianos, and big stars for a long time. I don't think I would have room on my ballot, but um, certainly willing to listen to uh, Um, any arguments for them.
1: Yeah, I I can't. Here's the thing. They're not one of the ten best acts on the ballot, okay? So, So, you know, and they're not really in danger of falling off unless they get less than 10%. Yep.
2: Now,
1: having said that, having said that, I think there is something to the idea of voting for them to endorse the notion that Dave should have had these trios on the ballot a long time ago. Because for one reason or another, he'd been resistant to that. Um, So there's something to that idea, to the notion of that. Um, Do I... It's hard to i mean I think they are i, I think I think uh, las Brazos, las Brazos are hall of famers los Bravos are hall of Famers, but I don't think they're um they're not they're not, for example, the rock and roll express they're not they're oh, you know they're not a team that you look at, and you go, um, why the hell aren't they in already <laughs> yeah so i I think that sort of hurts them in a stacked region, especially because of the region they're in. Uh, like that region is just ridiculous. I mean, Lucha, my God, you know, I that, I don't know that there's ever been a section on this ballot since balloting started back in 1998 that was as dense with deserving candidates as the Lucha ballot currently is. Mm. And and that's and I mean that's ignoring the fact that there's still probably guys El Dandy being the most obvious who you could argue that should still be on it that haven't even been on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, Lucha had trouble for years. They got two out of the five people who went in last year, Atlantis and uh, Dr. Wagner Sr. But I mean, for years, they they had trouble getting anyone in, and it have built this glut up of um, of good candidates, which is kind of a shame in a way. But I guess we'll see how that shakes out.
1: Yeah, i I, I wish that people, I wish that Lucha experts would just sit down and say, "All right." This is the year we're going to push for Viano three, you know, like our, and just sort of all agree each year on an individual guy that you're all going to vote for to push through. You know, this year it has to be Karras, in my opinion, because he's the guy on the chopping yeah. block. But um, I, I really wish that there was a way to to do that, right. but. Um, it's funny. As smart as all these guys are, uh, Steve Sims, Kurt Brown, uh, Cubs fan, uh, you know. I mean, you're talking like as smart as all these guys are about uh, about lucha and lucha history. If you talk to them, uh, Jose Fernandez, they all tell you a different guy is the best guy in that section.
2: Like
1: like <laughs> like Steve Sims a couple of years ago. Uh, I asked the question and he answered on, on, sh- on the show he does with Brian four, before, uh, and he said it was LA Park. Which I, which kind of flabbergasted of me because I would, I would have never guessed that. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I've asked Jose Fernandez, he says it's Beyond a Three. Uh, somebody, somebody like Matt Farmer, who's a big Lucha fan and does a lot of historical research, he'll tell you it's Caras. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's, there's absolutely no consensus at all. <laughs> and that's, that's a big part of the problem is that there's, there's, there, you know, and, and, but I think the flip side of that is that tells you how good a candidate all these guys are is that, these super informed people can't even agree on who the best guy is because they're all good.
0: <laughs> hmm. we'll have to hashtag something vote for cars
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> give give Joe a ballot so he can vote for cars <laughs>
0: exactly i'll I'll do it too um also uh new nominees um joke your dog uh I, I get the feeling a lot of this is based on the book that came out recently, which i uh have ordered and will read soon, but do you think his candidacy is based all on Mid-South, or does his, his role as a, a fairly big star during the national expansion of the WWF help at all?
1: I think his role during the national expansion does help. Um, as somebody who's done a lot of research uh, on, uh, uh, you know, various people that are both on and off the ballot by combing over results and, and trying to find trends and, and looking at who popped things and, you know, various stuff like that. Um, There's no question that JYD was a real asset on the house show circuit. Uh You know, was he Hulk Hogan? Well, no, but who the fuck was? You know, like, nobody was Hulk Hogan other than Hulk Hogan. Uh, you know, JYD is somebody who... Um, the WWF run, I mean... You could never build a candidacy on the WWF run, but it, I do think it helps him. Uh, but he's also a guy where I feel like if he had retired before he'd even gone to the to the WWF, you could make an argument for him going in because he was, if it, like, okay, uh, you know, this is going to come across like an odd comparison. Um, and, and actually, there's a, another entity on the ballot that I think is an even better comparison to this person. But... If J.Y.D., compare them to, say, Tiger Mask. Uh, They both had very short runs at the absolute tippy-top level. Well, actually, not that short. We're talking four or five years. But the cultural significance they had to where they were, their relevance, the degree of their stardom, um, their trailblazing quality, Uh, J.Y.D. as a babyface ace who just happened to be a black man in the South, which wasn't very easy, (laughs) Mm-hmm. And Sayama as a, uh, you know, sort of a trend-setting junior, um, I think you can make a strong argument, even if he never goes to the WWF, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, so to me, Dog is, is somebody who, who should be in. Uh, will I vote for him? I, I would have said yes before, he's a guy that I would have voted for for sure before the rules change. But because of the rules change, I can't answer that because there's there's guys now that I have to sort of look at and go, okay, you know, am I, do I want this guy to fall off the ballot? You know, so um, he goes from being a guy that I was pretty certain I was going to vote for to a guy who I think should be in but I'm not as certain about now, about voting for anyway.
0: All right. Um, let's move on to also on the Barrett, Akira Tawey. Just a, a very interesting case just has the the endless run in all Japan. The knock on him is that, you know, he was always the least guy in those matches, but it was never like, you know, he was just a guy in there. Like, he certainly contributed, not to the level of maybe a uh, Misawa Kobashi and, and Kawada, but those guys are at the elite of all time to me. So, um, he wouldn't have room on my ballot should I, I make one up, but, uh, we're the candidate, in my mind, certainly, more than the dismissals he, te- he tends to get.
1: It will be very hard for me not to vote for him, even though I'm not sure he's one of the ten best. He's definitely not, if you count Lucha, because there's probably four or five guys in the Lucha category you could argue over him. Um, I sh- well, I shouldn't say that. but Well, maybe. There might be, actually. Um, but, boy, it- it's going to be really hard for me not to vote for him. Because, I, I like, I, this, again, I'm going to do the, the, another weird comparison across cultures, and that will s- seemingly be bizarre at first, but bear with me here. Um, Mick Foley was never the biggest starter in the Attitude Era, ever, at any point. He was never the second biggest star, really. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you could argue he was never the third biggest star. I mean, I would argue there was a period where he was, but you could make an argument that he wasn't. But it is very hard to envision the Attitude Era the WWE being as successful without him. He was an integral part of that. Um, does that mean that Steve Austin still would have been huge? Of course not. Does that mean the Rock still wouldn't have been huge? Of course not. Um, but I think everybody would accept that Foley is a Hall of Famer, and he's a Hall of Famer largely because of what happened during that period where he was the third or fourth and sometimes the fifth guy as part of this big machine. To me, Tauway qualifies on the exact same grounds with, with the added plus, because they were selling out Budokan all the time during this period, record numbers, <laughs> sellouts with the added plus that he probably was in more truly great matches than anybody who's not already in other than maybe Daniel Bryan who's going to get in right away so to to me Taya or or maybe Akiyama for example but to me to yeah. me to me Taue, um he really clicks all that stuff and then on top of it i think you can make a very strong case that Taya and Kawada is the greatest tag team of all time <laughs> mm.
2: <laughs>
1: from a working perspective so when you look at this guy, you look at possibly in the best tag team of all time, an integral part of an extremely hot, iconic run in the history of wrestling. In um, more good matches than than probably anybody who you know that's not in, uh, it's really hard for me to see the argument against him. You know, I I actually struggle to see a compelling argument against them, um, and I've asked for one, but I all the arguments I hear, I'm just kind of like, eh. You know, I mean. I, I, let's put it this way I, I think Taue is a better candidate than Sasaki, than Sasaki. and hmm. while I was not opposed to Sasaki going in um, I wouldn't have voted for him but I think Taue is, is, is demonstrably better as a candidate than Sasaki was uh, you know and Sasaki got in last year
0: so now it's interesting you mentioned the tag team because uh, Tenzan and Kojima were added this year I'm, I don't think that's going to go anywhere they've, they've been a good tag team I don't think but what if Tawa and Kawada were on as, as a tag team do you think that would uh, do you think that would help his chances
2: um
1: that's a very good question I don't know the answer to um I think Dave should do that I, I, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I think guys should be able to be inducted you know more than once But for, for their individual performance or as a tag team I see absolutely no problem with that because of the nature of wrestling um to me, Cali and Kawada would absolutely be Hall of Famers as a team. I think they're both Hall of Famers as singles. I think, you know, it might actually, I, in a weird way, it might actually help him because of the fact that he would be rubbing up against Kawada, who everybody thinks is a Hall of Famer. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he shouldn't have to get in that way. But, yeah. um, you know, it, that, and he never will because I don't think Dave would ever do that. I don't think Dave would ever... I don't think there's any scenario where, 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 where Dave Meltzer will ever allow somebody to be inducted twice. Even though you're really inducting a unit versus an individual or whatever, I don't think he would ever do that. So I think it's really a moot point.
0: All right. On to, speaking of old, uh, old Japan, Jun Akiyama is... I want to get your thoughts first, and then I'll... Uh, well, I'll Well, here's money. the
1: thing. Here's the thing. A lot of people don't know this. Akiyama is actually my favorite Japanese wrestler of all time. Um, wow. I, uh He's not the best. You know, There's certainly, mm-hmm. and I certainly wouldn't rate him as the best. But for some reason, when I started watching All Japan in the mid-90s, he was the guy I immediately, well, he was the guy I connected to uh, pretty close to immediately. Um, and uh, he sort of stayed my favorite. He stayed as the guy I rooted for throughout. Um, if you had asked me, Last year, if I thought Akiyama was a Hall of Famer, I would have said no. I would have said, uh, I really am a big fan, but uh, you know, he has a reputation as a guy who was put in that ace spot, couldn't deliver, and failed. And I can't, I can't advocate for him. I, I don't see him as a Hall of Famer. Um, but then Tanahashi got in, and. Mm. And and here's the thing. It's not so much that Tanahashi got in that makes me think Akiyama deserves to be in, because I'm not one of these guys who says, oh, somebody who I think is weak got in, so everybody better than them should be in. But what that forced me to do was go back and look at Akiyama as a draw and as a star. And some of the things I found lead me to believe that he's actually kind of underrated in that regard. Um, He still drew a lot of big houses when he was in Noah you know, yep. uh, he was still a part of some really big and successful shows with All Japan. Was he the fourth or fifth guy? Yes, but still, he was there. Um, you know, uh, one of Sasa- uh, Katsuki Sasaki's best freelance uh, shows during his freelance era was in a main event against Akiyama. I think they did like 14,000 at Budokan, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just going off the top of my head, so yeah. if I'm wrong, forgive me, but I believe that's right. Um, you know, he was a guy that New Japan brought into some dome shows that helped pop houses. They brought him into the G1, I think, in and during a period where the promotion wasn't that hot, and he pretty clearly helped business. So,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Akiyama has a, my opinion, a stronger record as a draw than Tanahashi. And it's not just that he has a stronger record as a draw than Tanahashi. I think he has a much stronger record as a draw than his reputation suggests. So, I kind of feel like Akiyama might be a Hall of Famer. And uh, it's weird because Even though he's been my favorite for years, I was really pretty dismissive of him. Um, Because he's been mentioned, he's been on the ballot before and fallen off, and he's been mentioned before as a guy, well, what about him? And I've always sort of dismissed him. But looking more closely at him, um, I don't know that I would vote for him. I don't know that I'm there yet. But I kind of think he might be a Hall of Famer. (laughs) Mm. It's a... It's a stronger case than it initially seems. It's a stronger case than his reputation would lead you to believe. Hmm.
0: It's uh, it's funny. I know uh, Alan on uh, his last show kind of mentioned like you could he could have been the Kurt Angle of his time, given how quickly he he picked it up and all the great matches he was having immediately on those criteria. He could have gone in in like say two thousand if uh, yeah if those if he had, if he had won a gold medal somewhere.
1: That's a great point. That's a absolutely great point.
0: But I just he, i get the sense he just never lived up to his potential of those early All Japan days and what people thought of him. And some of that's the way the business went. Some of it's on him. But I, I, right. I just—I would have a hard time.
1: You're right, though. and and that's that's what's kept me for years from considering him. But let me just throw this at you, okay? Do you really think Katsuki Sasaki ever lived up to his potential? Hmm. I mean. Because to me, I always saw Sasaki and Akiyama as parallel guys in a lot of ways. There were guys that came up as the other guy after the you know the, the the big stars and the generation that preceded them, and they were the people that the company was going to put faith in. I mean, you could argue that Sasaki did better in a way in the sense that he was on he was on or near the top of a lot of dome shows, but that's just because New Japan happened to run dome shows. Yeah. Uh, you know, Akiyama was on or near the top of a lot of Budokan Hall shows that did really good business. So, I, I see what you're saying, uh, but I wonder how much of that, like, perception can work, it can, it can help and it can hurt guys. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the, the it, our perception of these guys um, can sink candidacies and it can, and it can completely build candidacies out of almost nothing. And, um, uh, I do ultimately think that it's true that Akiyama did not live up to what people thought he would be, but I'm still not sure that doesn't make him a Hall of Famer. It's, a, it's weird. It's hmm. a weird thing with me. Um, I know Alan, for example, thinks he was the best uh, Japanese wrestler of the 2000s, if not the best wrestler of the 2000s. Hmm. You know, and that, that's a that's another thing. You know, if you believe that, you know, I'm not a guy who believes anybody should get in on ring work alone, but that's a hell of an argument to buttress your your, your other stuff.
0: All right, and um, I don't know if it's the last candidate, but kind of a big one, already hotly debated, CM Punk, <laughs> who basically retired this year. So you would think his um, his story is all done, but like you said, his, his candidacy is going to be, his legacy is really going to unfurl in the next few years as, you know, the WWE signs more indie guys and pushes them in high-level roles. And if they succeed, I think that's, you know, he's, Kind of Ray Mysterio in a way, the way he broke down doors for, not not the level Ray was, but he broke down doors for this whole group and, and changed the business. Really,
1: I, you know what? I actually disagree with you. I think in some ways huh. he would be even bigger of a of a uh, a door breaker than Ray in some ways. In the sense of, now, Ray on an individual level, I think overcame more because a guy, uh, uh, you know, uh, yes, he's American, but uh, as far as they're concerned, he's a Mexican in in, in a mask. Who's 5'3", you know, like, at an yeah. individual level, it's virtually impossible to over, to, to, to imagine anybody in the United States overcoming more than Ray had to overcome. So, but in, in terms of, you know, setting a standard for others, there's not a lot of guys who have really come after Ray that, that
2: have been huge successes,
1: you know, uh, along the lines of Ray. I mean, there are guys you can sort of point to maybe here, there, and, and but, um, I don't know how much of a trendsetter Ray's really been. Um, hmm. uh, he. I think he, I think his strength is that he's such a uniquely great candidate because nobody was able to do what he did. Uh, whereas Punk, you're right. You know, I, I think it's. Fair, you know, people forget. People say, "Oh, well, somebody would else would have just come along and this could have happened anyway." That's possible. Maybe it's even unlikely. But people forget the WWE. If you look at the stars in the generation before Punk, Randy Orton. John Cena, and yes, I know Cena nominally worked indies, but let's be serious. Um, uh, Batista. Uh, these were guys who were factory-made. They were fa- WWE factory-made, and that was the idea. We're going to build these guys in a laboratory. Uh, and, and, and In some ways, that's still the idea. The difference is they go out and find the talent from the indies and put them in that laboratory, <laughs> or at least they have a willingness to do that now. Um, but at that time period, I'm not sure that mentality was there. I think they were looking to develop an entire whole crop of stars, and there was that huge fear when WCW and, and ECW closed down. Oh my God, where are the next stars going to come from? What are we going to What are we going to do? We, because we don't have this cycle anymore. All the territories are dead. All the competitors are dead. Who are Where are we going to get people to cycle into the talent pool as fresh guys? You know. Um, and 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 punk was really the guy who emerged against all odds in many ways you know i i completely agree i think um it i would not vote for him now um i don't think he's a hall of famer right now but in 5 years when we have a a, a better picture of his uh uh you know the influence argument um that's a different story you know he he could end up being a guy that absolutely was a huge influence in 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 several ways really so to me, uh I can't vote for Punk now. Um and I would really strongly advise people not to because I don't think he needs the votes now and there's other people on the ballot who need them more. But uh it's hard to it, you know he's his stock I think will actually go up. I think in 5 years he will be a better candidate than he is now.
0: All right. I think that's largely it for the new for new people, uh, I think George Scott's on the ballot too. Do you have any quick thoughts on him?
1: Um, not, eh. I mean, not particularly. That's a, that's a that's a weird section of the ballot that I'm sup- that I, that you know I'm super interested in um, mm. for completely different reasons. Uh, I'm glad George Scott's on the ballot. I think he probably should have been on there before, but he's not anybody that I would feel conf- confident about voting for.
0: All right. Uh, so what I want to ask you about is kind of the, the after magazines. I know both Bill After and uh, Stanley Weston are on the ballot. Where do you, where do you fall on, on them and their their possible representation in the Hall?
1: Um, I think the magazines having no representation in the Hall to this point, and by the way, when I say that, I mean the magazines, period, uh, including the Japanese magazines and the, mm-hmm. the Mexican magazines. I think it's the biggest blight on the Hall of Fame's record because, you know, in Mexico – uh, there were a lot of guys who were created whole cloth, literally created as stars because of the magazines. Um, in Japan, they were a huge, huge part of the business. More so than in the United States. But in the United States, as somebody who lived through and experienced the Aftermags, um, you know, they were the best promoters in wrestling. That's how you found out about everybody. If you didn't have somebody's TV, you know, you, you found out about guys and you got excited about guys and you learned about guys and, uh, through the Aftermax, that's how guys got their reputation. That's how uh, you know it was it was free advertising. They were nationally available. You could follow guys from territory from all over the place, and you could really develop a sense of what was going on elsewhere. So when a new guy popped up popped up on TV, he was already a star. It made the promoter's job easier. I've always argued that the after mags are the best promoter that is not represented in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I think they should be represented. Um, the question of whether to represent after and Weston, you know, um, for a long when, when it was just after on the ballot, I argued that after deserved to get the vote just because we needed somebody to, rep- to be representative of the magazines because it was ridiculous to me that there was no representative. But now that Weston's on the ballot, I think that's who I support, uh, and I will vote mm-hmm. for Weston for sure because to me. Uh, you know, this, this is a guy whose publishing career in, in, in publishing pro wrestling goes all the way back to the basically the post-World War II era, right after World War II. Um, I think boxing and wrestling and some other things he published back then. Uh, it continued all the way up until, you know, whenever, uh, pr- basically present times, because PWI, which still exists in some capacity, is, is still, I don't know, if I don't, I don't think London owns it anymore, although I could be wrong. But the point is, it, it, it developed from him. Um, you know, to me, Weston is every bit as deserving as uh, Roy Shire, or, or mm-hmm. any, or any promoter of that. I mean, he's not as deserving as Vince McMahon, you know, or somebody like yeah. that. But um, I would say he's more deserving, actually, than Roy Shire. To be honest, I, I think he's. I, I, th- I would actually put him at a level below, uh, above almost all the, ma- the major regional promoters, but below the big national promoters. Because I consider I consider what they did promoting, uh, not just, you know, media. Uh, because their role was effectively to promote guys.
0: Uh, has anyone from Japan or Mexico representing the magazine ever been on a ballot of any kind? Uh, no. Uh, it's just, it, I agree in the sense like, that the magazine should have some representation. It's just hard to vote for them before. I just think that they played such a bigger part in Mexico and Japan. Than they did in the states. It's hard to vote in that sense, like uh, vote the U.S. ahead of them, if that makes sense. And um, also on the on the point of creating stars, I know I, I people point like someone like Lex Luger who got a massive push in the magazines, got scooped up quickly. But I, I don't think he would have languished in Florida I and mean, flipping burgers after too long. You know, it just I don't know. I don't know if that that part's overstated or not. I don't, I came a little later to the after mags than some, to where they, you know, I think I th- they lost a lot of their relevance. But
1: I think I think star creation, I th- I do think they played a role in creating stars. But I think what was far more important was that it made it easy for you know, if, if Bruiser Brody was coming to town and you'd never seen Bruiser Brody, but you knew him from the magazines, he was already he was already a star it wasn't so much that they created them as that they were able to develop the narratives that already existed of existing stars and pass them around in a national way because they were the only national media, you know. I mean, for a long time, before there was cable, that was the national wrestling media. And then even after cable, you know, only so many people had it, and there was only so much wrestling that existed on cable. So they they had a great amount of utility, in my opinion. Um, As far as outright creating stars... Uh, Mexican magazines certainly did that. Uh, I don't know that so much that the after magazines could lay a claim to that. Um, although you could make the case that a guy like Sabu, even, without the after magas- mags, maybe doesn't take off quite as much. But uh, one way or the other, um, I-, I think they need to be represented. And for the record, um, you know, uh, David Bixen's band, our good buddy Bix, made this point uh, last year on a, on a show that, uh, you know, Myself and Dave Musgrave did for, for wrestling culture. Uh, you know, maybe there should be a journalism wing for the Hall of Fame. Maybe that should be its yeah. own wing. Um, I actually think there's a decent number of candidates uh, that you could that you could take seriously and think about when you start getting into the realm of uh, of magazines and uh, uh, stuff like that. But um, who knows? I mean, that's just food for thought.
0: Do you have your, uh, at least a preliminary ballot done? Do you have the, or do you you have like, like, you know, 15, 20 names you need to whittle down?
1: I have a lot of names I need to whittle down. I mean, you know, I I could basically off the cuff tell you the guys that I'm strongly considering, if you want me to do that. I mean, uh, okay, Um, from the historical candidates category, uh, and this is literally off the cuff, I don't even have the ballot in front of me, although I could easily pull Mm -hmm. it up. Um, I am strongly, I almost certainly will vote for Enrique Torres. Um, there is a very good chance I'll vote for Kenji Shibuya, who I actually wrote up in the Voices of Wrestling, uh, uh, article that uh, you mentioned earlier. Um, I am also considering, uh, Mr. Wrestling 2, uh, Pedro Morales, and, uh, to a slightly lesser extent, the Andersons. Mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: in the modern U.S. performers category, I absolutely will vote for Kim Patera. I have no choice. I'm, the funny thing is, I'm not. <laughs> sure. I'm actually, I'm actually not even sure he's one of the ten best guys on the ballot. But uh, especially with some of the new new inclusions, but I have to vote for him. I mean, you can't do the amount of research I've done on this guy and not vote for him. And I absolutely do think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, so I'll definitely vote for Patera. I'll definitely vote for the Rock and Roll Express. Um, I'm trying to think often. Jyd is one I'm strongly considering, but I don't know for sure. Dick Murdoch is one I'm strongly strongly considering, but I don't know for sure. Ivan Koloff, I, I probably will vote for. Um, I think that covers those guys. Uh, I will not vote in Euro uh, Europe. I, I just don't feel like I know enough. I, I again, yeah. I probably I probably know more than some of the people who vote in the category. Uh, hmm. but that just means they shouldn't be voting in the category. <laughs> um, uh, for Japan, um, uh, Tawei, Hamada, the Sharp brothers, and Akiyama, all four of them, and Volkan, all five of those people. I mean, like, hmm. I, yeah, but see, the thing there is, I think, three of those, I think, are pretty borderline, so, yeah. um. You know, and then, uh, in Mexico, uh, pretty much everyone other than Vampiro.
2: <laughs> I mean, you, ba-
1: you can basically take the whole list as somebody I'm considering. Uh, and then when you get to the other category, the infamous other, uh, I will definitely vote for Carlos Colon, who in my opinion is the best person on the ballot. Um, I will, there's a good chance I would vote for Mark Lewin, uh, although the rule change makes me wary again. Um, so that's another one I'm, I'm considering. Uh, and then, uh, in non-performers, um, non-performers is actually fairly easy because of the fact that, um, you know, none of them are really under the gun and you get to pick five. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm definitely voting for Jimmy Hart. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely voting for Stanley Weston. Um, Gosh, I don't have the list right in front of me, so I'm definitely voting for Don Owen. Uh, There's no question. I think he's an underrated promoter, an underrated figure. Um, I know there's at least one other definite.
0: Uh, Jared. Jerry Jared. Jared
1: Jared, Jared, Jared Jared is an absolute definite. Um, Those four are absolute definites, and there might even be a fifth definite, but I do not have the ballot directly in front of me. Uh, Um, Oh, oh, uh, 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 Oakland. I'll vote for Oakland. Yes. Yeah, I, I actually don't think Oakland... Is a definite in the sense that I don't really think it's bad for him to be off, Mm -hmm. but he's such an enduring figure, and I feel like he's part of the wrestling lexicon in a way that very few people in history have been. Um, You know, if if, if Jimmy Lennon Junior. or Jimmy Lennon Senior. rather is is a is a Hall of Famer. Um, some people say, well, that makes Finkel a Hall of Famer, which I'm not even necessarily opposed to that, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But to me, it definitely makes Oakland a Hall of Famer, because Oakland is somebody that is, I mean, when you think of the WWF boom period, he'd be one of, like, the first five guys I'd think of.
2: Mm.
1: Like, I mean, he he would literally be one of the very first five guys I would think of. He's just an iconic personality in wrestling, and I think the only reason that there's even a debate about him to the extent that there is one, is that he was really not a play-by-play guy. I mean, he did do some, you know, he called matches in the AWA, but, um, you know, but does should that really make a difference? I mean, he still had, he still was an integral part of the shows and, and the promotion of the shows. So,
0: I think you could argue he was in, integral to, to the money drawing aspect because that that period was so draw, um, built around house shows. Yeah, he was always the guy, you know. Doing all those local promos, you know, coming to the Boston Garden, so-and-so, and conducting those interviews. I think you can make that argument. I think he's the best backstage interviewer of all time. And if you're the best at some aspect of the business, then
1: it's, I think it's, that's... I completely agree with all that. And I would also argue, I actually think he's one of the best wrestling personalities, period, of all time. Yeah. I mean, not, not that Legends House should be a plus on anybody's Hall of Fame criteria. <laughs> but he was tremendous on that show. I mean, he was the best part of that show. And and, and and he's just got a personality and character, too. I mean, honestly, when I think of, like, my all-time favorite wrestling personalities and guys who I think really added to a show pretty much all the time, Okerlund is, is near the top of the list. There's not a whole lot of people above him.
0: And you can add in longevity. He worked for AWA, WWF, and WCW for decades, total, yeah. and... Just level of fame. I think my mom, my mom knows who Mean Gene Oakland is. so that, yeah. uh, I think that should <laughs> count for something.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not normally a big advocate of the fame argument, but mm-hmm. I will, but I will say that Mean Gene, um, as sort of part of that, like it's it's uh, it's synonymous with wrestling. It is, you know. I mean, it's not it's not so much that Mean Gene is famous. It's that when you hear the name Mean Gene, you think wrestler, or not well not yep. wrestler, because but you think wrestling. You know, he fits right in with that. So, um, yeah, Oakland would Oakland be my fifth guy. So I've already got that done. That part of my ballot's done. I kind of feel bad about leaving off Dave Brown because I like Dave Brown a lot. But uh, I'm not positive that he's actually a Hall of Famer, to be honest. And hmm. uh, on on top of it, I just can't fit him in. I think all those – I think the five guys I, I mentioned are the best guys in that category.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I think Owen's very – Underrated. There's a knock against him. Like, well, he lasted longer because he he bought his own building to run TV. Like, that's a negative. That's that's being (laughs) good at That's a (laughs) positive. Yeah.
1: (laughs) To me, that's genius. What that tells me is that he's he's smarter than all these other guys. You know, the other argument, which I hate, is that, well, it wasn't that big a building and they didn't draw huge houses. And it's like, okay, uh, but they often ran the Portland Sports Arena twice in a week. And, you know, they have this great sponsorship deal on TV. People forget that Don Owen is actually – he inherited a promotion from his family, but he's the one who actually got some TV. Um, And the reality is he – I mean, if he had run another building in Portland, say a 7,000-seat building in Portland, and and put 4,000 or 5,000 people in it a week – uh, which is about what he was doing uh, during the hot periods at the Portland Sports Arena. He's making less money because he's got more overhead. So you know, it, it makes no sense from a business perspective. Yeah. It's much more logical to own your own building. <laughs> you get all the money from concessions. You get. All, I mean, it's just. I, I uh, it blows my mind that somebody like Stu Hart is in. I think in large part because of in, in, of the reputation of. Stampede as as a promotion that produced all this great talent and sort of this iconic promotion that's associated with good workers, for lack of a better way of looking at it. And Don Owen, a lot of the people who who I've talked to about this, they're really dismissive of the idea of Don Owen even being comparable to Stu Hart. It's it's like, why? You know, his his promotion was way more successful over the long haul than Stampede. Way Mm. more. You know, I, I, I think it's crazy. You know, to me Owen I mean, he's not a slam dunk. I mean he's not, you know he he's not Vince McMahon. He he's not uh he's not even Roy Shire. But he's still he still deserves to be in.
0: One name you didn't mention actually you didn't mention a bunch of names, but uh Sergeant Slaughter wasn't on that list. Do you just not have enough uh room um, for him or do you think he's just not uh,
1: Slaughter that Slaughter's one of these guys I've gone back and forth on over the years, you know, um I, I, uh, even though I don't have a ballot, or, you know, or didn't have a ballot until this year, um, every year I always kind of thought, okay, who are the guys I would vote for if I had a ballot? And, and you know, there are times where, where Slaughter would have, I would have said Slaughter. But I've kind of gone back and forth on him. Beca- and it's not so much that I think he doesn't belong. I like, there's a lot of guys where I don't know that I'd vote for them, but if they got in, I wouldn't think it was bad, you know? Like, um, Slaughter kind of falls into that camp at this point. Very good, really a great worker, um, especially at his absolute peak. Um, at his absolute peak as a star, which I would argue is from 80, 81 to 84, he was a huge money-drawing star, um, both as a heel and a baby face. Um, the problem is he doesn't have a really strong pre-prime. I mean, he did the, the super destroyer stuff uh, in the AWA. He he was part of some solid programs, but nothing out of this world. And his post prime is, is you know um, was really during his his physical prime, still as a worker. But you know he was, went to the AWA. The AWA was on the decline. He really didn't he didn't help or hurt them. Uh, he didn't he didn't do well in the WWF when they did the heel thing, which isn't really his fault because that was a I mean that angle was suicide, but. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's like I don't think his three to four year run of greatness is as good as the three to four year run of greatness of somebody like JYD. Nor do I think the stuff that comes after it or before it is as good as JYD's stuff that sort of is around the margins. To make just one comparison, you know, to make another comparison, like, you know, yes, Slaughter's famous. Yes, you know, he he had some some crossover appeal, which I do think has value, but. To make a, another comparison to the guy who I'm, I'm sort of known for researching, Kim Patera, I think most people will compare those to, like, just on, on paper and say, well, Slaughter's the better candidate. You know, he, more name value and uh, whatever. But if you really look at the arc of their careers, I mean, Patera had much more time as a, as a true top star in money-drawing promotions. I mean, it's, it's really not even arguable or even close. I mean, it, probably twice as much time, if not more. So... Uh, you know, and and I say that not, not even to promote Patera, but to sort of illustrate, I think we remember the highs of Slaughter for being really great because they were, but I also think it's easy to sort of dismiss the fact that he doesn't have a whole lot of meat there. So I, I'm not entirely dismissive of him. He's, he's, he's a great example of somebody that needs to be researched more closely. Somebody needs to do a labor-intensive study of Sergeant Slaughter's career the way I've done with Kim Patera and Jerry Blackwell.
2: <laughs> because
1: <laughs> I, I I think there might be a story to be told here, um, but it hasn't been told yet. I kind of feel that way about Dick Murdoch, too, by the way. You know, I mm. kinda, like one of the things that bothers me about Murdoch is I, I do think he probably is a Hall of Famer, almost definitely, to be honest. But it bothers me that in all this time, with all these debates we've had, like we talked about at the top of the show, and how detailed these debates get, no Murdoch supporter has ever really sat down and gone to the wall to make a serious, like, detailed analysis or case from that I know of. No one. It's always, well, it's just a truism to dig Murdoch's all the same. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like,
1: yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree, but somebody do the friggin' work, you know? Like, I'm not asking you to do necessarily as much research as I've done on Kim Patera, for God's sake. That'd be insane, but Um, do, do something, you know, make, make a, make a really solid, detailed case. I, I, I prefer that that be done. You know, that's, that's why I think Enrique Enrique Torres is such a good candidate because Steve Yoey made the case, you know, and, and he also had a record, did a Torres record book that he sent to me that I was able to look at and say, boy, this guy's a Hall of Famer. You know, I, I feel like that kind of work needs to be done. I don't, I don't think, um. I don't think we should be. I don't think voters should be voting for people solely just based on the eye test. You know, the, the eye test tells you whether or not a candidate maybe should be considered worthy of research, but it doesn't tell you whether a candidate should go in. I think the research tells you whether the candidate should go in.
0: Mm. Uh, we did skip a couple names uh, new to the ballot. One was the Ultimate Warrior, which I don't imagine will go terribly far. He may stay on the ballot for a bit, but I don't think he's. there's going to be any groundswell of support after his uh, unfortunate death earlier this year.
1: I agree. I, I he's, uh, have no problem with him being on the ballot. Uh, he's a guy that has never been on before, so he probably deserves a crack at it, but um, I'm not going to vote for him, and I don't think he lasts very long.
0: And the other is Minoru Suzuki, who is... I, I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but he's... A, very, I always enjoy watching him wrestle. He's a very interesting character. A very interesting story. Ultimately, I don't think reached the heights. Although with Funaki, and I think that's an interesting comparison. But I, uh,
1: I love Suzuki as a wrestler. But I mean, <sighs> it, like, let's be honest. Okay, I, I Kimbo is my guy. I'm going to vote you, for him. I did the research on him. I'm a geek. Whatever. Kim Patera is not ever going to get in the Hall of Fame. He's probably going to fall off the ballot this year. I don't want to admit that, but I, you know it's true. I think I, I I pretty much have come to terms. Especially with these rule changes, it's going to be very very hard for Patera to stay on the ballot this year. Um, Kim Patera is a vastly superior candidate to Minoru Suzuki, and I say that as somebody who thinks, who really loves Suzuki, and frankly thinks Suzuki is probably a, 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 in, in some ways a better wrestler. I don't know that. I would say he's a better wrestler in other ways. But at his peak, Suzuki's best matches are out of this world great, uh, really entertaining character. Um, I think some people have gone crazy with how highly they've rated him in these sort of Hall of Fame discussions. Uh, You know, I, I just don't see him. No problem with him being on the ballot, but there are an awful lot of people that I think are better candidates than Suzuki who've never even been on the ballot. I mean, Fujiwara has never been on the ballot. I don't yeah. think Suzuki's a better candidate than Fujiwara is. You know? Like to me to me Su- Suzuki doesn't exist without Fujiwara. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you
1: know? So to to me Fujiwara, you know, if you if you're going to vote for Suzuki, um at the bare minimum you better be campaigning day night and day to get Fujiwara on the ballot. Uh but uh yeah, I Suzuki I I kind of hate saying that cuz I really do like him. <laughs> Yeah. But I just don't see him as a Hall of Fame guy.
0: He's so idiosyncratic, and there's not really anyone who wrestles like, or presents himself like Minoru Suzuki, which actually counts for a lot for me in these kind of discussions, but I don't think he'll, he doesn't get over the hump for me.
1: Yeah, and I agree with that, too. He's an extremely unique wrestler, but I I don't, I... (sighs) Unique, unique, uh, in and of itself, does not make you a Hall of Famer. It doesn't hurt, but it doesn't make you. No.
0: Uh... One name not mentioned was Brock Lesnar. Is this because he is? I mean, you could argue Brock Lesnar is in his prime, certainly from a character and presentation standpoint. And I guess with so many, he may headline WrestleMania this year, and with so much more data coming in, is this just kind of a a wait? Or there's no need to vote for him right now, given everything well, well, that's well, going I, on. I,
1: I agree with that point, but also if Brock Lesnar retired tomorrow and then and then popped up on the ballot in ten years, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think he's done enough. Um, you know,
2: to to me
1: Brock has a has an aura around him. There's no question about that. And I think that aura gives him a standing with a lot of fans that is greater than his what he's actually done as a box office draw. Um not that he hasn't been a box office draw at times because he has, but he also has not been at times. So um I don't count UFC when I assess Brock because Dave refuses to go on record as whether or not you should count it. And his yeah. argument of let the voters decide, I think, is nuts. I don't agree with that argument at all. To, to me, it's his Hall of Fame. He runs it. He should say, does this matter or not? And, um, you know, if he and if he's not going to say, if he's going to say, well, it's up
2: to the voters,
1: well, I mean, you know, oh, okay, I, then I want Aki on the ballot. And I want to be able to count all the sumo. And before somebody yeah. says, oh, that's not the same thing, think of all the guys who've crossed over from sumo to, to uh, wrestling in Japan. There's a shitload of them, including some of the most successful guys in the history of Japanese wrestling. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't buy that argument. You know, you, you, you've got to either say it counts or it doesn't. You know, and uh, until Dave says, and then, of course, then the question, by the way, is even if you count UFC with Brock, the question is, okay, well, how do you count it? Do Hmm. you count it? Like the one argument says, well, obviously this helps his case tremendously because he was such a great draw, you know, and he did win a title. But then the flip side of that argument was, is he really a Hall of Fame level fighter? No, (laughs) that's a real sport. (laughs) You know, you can't you can't judge it solely by pro wrestling standards. You you you. I mean, it's a real sport. You know, he got his ass kicked a couple times pretty easily, frankly. Um, You know, it's yes, yes, yes. If he had always been a fighter, uh, there's a chance he could have been an all time great. But the reality is he wasn't. And uh the reality is he wasn't an all time great. So then you start have to try and weigh that in. To me, Brock's not now, having said that, there is certainly potential for Brock to become a Hall of Famer. You know, I, I I there's no question that he could be one. You know, if network subscriptions go through the roof with all this stuff. If WrestleMania is huge this year, and he's around for a couple more years, and they do, I mean, absolutely then. I mean, then, then, then that changes everything. But as of this moment right now, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But I will tell you this, I think he gets in this year. I think he gets in this year. I don't think he should, but I think he gets in this year.
0: The, I mean, the UFC thing is, it's complex because, I mean, obviously you wouldn't count Randy Savage's baseball career <laughs> versus Hall of Fame candidacy. But Brock Brock's UFC run is so tied into him being a wrestler, I think people feel it's okay to include that in his drawing in his ability because people watch those shows because, you know, if he wasn't because he was a, you know, NCAA champion, it's because he was a pro wrestler doing real fights now. And it's, yeah, I don't... I, don't have, I mean, I'm not going to worry either way because there's so much left he's going to do that I'll wait till I have more important data for reassessing. But I think, that's, I think that's where people are coming from, and I can somewhat see their point. But like you said, like he's not – it would go towards his drawing ability and not, you know, because he was this awesome fighter because, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like – I don't – I want to be clear. I don't have a problem. If we're going to say we include UFC, I don't have a problem. But we should just say that. You know what I yep. mean? Like, there should be, it, it shouldn't be mystified. Like, there should be, it should be very clear that you count it, uh, or you don't. There shouldn't be, well, I'm going to leave that up to the voters. I mean, that's crazy. Like, that, that, because what you're really saying then is you're saying, I'm leaving criteria up to the voters. And yet, we have a very carefully spelled out and I think very fair and logical criteria that's listed when we get the ballot. So, you know, we should be told whether or not to count mixed martial arts or not. And, and you know, to me, if, he, if the answer is that you should count him, okay, then I'll assess guys like Brock and other potential candidates based on that. If, if the answer is no, then Brock is definitely not a Hall of Famer. I mean, I think that 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 to me absolutely makes it in, unquestionably he's not a Hall of Famer, but at least not yet.
0: All right, last name Sting. No, I'm oh, kidding. I'm geez. kidding. That hasn't gone over <laughs> enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: when will when will Sting be on the ballot? Fifteen years. We can get rid of not, him, not, him. Not
1: soon enough.
0: Oh my. Enough.
1: I can tell you that right now. <laughs> mm,
0: things great until you think about it. <laughs> oh, he he's the
1: ultimate he's the ultimate um uh eye test guy that crumbles under any real research at all. I mean, absolutely mm. collapses. The the you know, he's the single best example of a guy I've always made this point with Sting. His biggest positive as a candidate is he wouldn't look out of place next to some of the other guys who are in from that era on a list just because of how he was presented by his promotion. But when you start looking at him closely, <laughs> I mean, I don't even, I really don't even think he's close to a Hall of Famer, to be honest. Yeah. I, I just don't think it's close.
0: All right. And on that uh, note of Sting Barrel, I think, I mean, I could talk to you all night, but, uh, <laughs> I think we've covered quite a bit of ground on this here, too. And, uh, Good luck to you on uh, forming your ballot. I'm sure you're going to have a million billion podcasts. Already an article up at Voices of Wrestling. I'm sure lots and lots of debate to come. Uh, any plugs you want to uh, get into? Whenever the next Wrestling Culture is coming out, please let us know.
1: Oh yeah, it, 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 it'll be it'll be very very soon. Uh, hopefully within the next week. Although I can't guarantee anything
0: because
1: I've been crazy busy lately. Um, uh, I am still doing writing at Voices of dot com. I missed Impact last week because I had a family emergency. Hopefully I won't miss it this week, uh, barring any uh, emergencies. So I'll still be doing those reviews for the time being. Uh, You know, VoicesWrestling.com is doing tons and tons of Hall of Fame coverage. So I expect a lot of different articles. I'm going to try and write at least two more, uh, if time permits. Uh, You know, maybe not before the ballot uh, is due, but before the results come back. Uh, I'd Mm -hmm. like to have them in before the ballot's due, but I don't know if that's realistic. Um, but, uh, one way or the other, uh, you know, there's going to be tons of coverage there with all of us. So, uh, yeah, uh, wrestling culture, I don't know what we'll do next. We've been talking about doing a John Cena show uh, where we run mm-hmm. down his career, and I think there's a pretty good chance that'll be the next thing we do. But since it is Hall of Fame season, it could very well be a Hall of Fame show. So, um, it could be either or, or both. Who knows? Uh, and the only other uh, plug would be to follow me at Dylan Wanko if you'd like a smart ass comment and send obscure references to figures that have absolutely nothing to do with wrestling being put into a wrestling context
0: <laughs> very very fun one of the i don't follow a lot of people on Twitter. I follow Dylan because it's always uh, always a good time and a note on my end, I will be joining the voices of wrestling family probably this upcoming Friday. I will be bringing my wrestling pod column where I listen to every stupid wrestling pod mass, uh podcast you don't have to i will tell you what is good what is bad was worth listening to and uh and all that they offered to uh put it up so i believe we'll be doing that probably this friday hopefully so that is a- that's awesome that.
1: that is awesome welcome aboard and Thanks. and this might be what gets you your hall of fame ballot for next year
2: joe
0: oh i well you know alan uh our good friend alan um put in a word through uh today for both me and rich so uh haven't heard back yet. I'm sure Dave has uh, better things to do than, you know, probably off covering the next UFC or what have you. But uh, <laughs> here's hoping. I would hope so. But if not, I still have a lot of fun discussing it. Absolutely. This so uh, that is going to do it. We are going to be back uh, early October, I would say, with our, I guess, annual tradition of talking to the Cubs fan after he comes back from uh, from Mexico. For that big trip The things he saw And uh, he can spread the word To uh, vote for thin Karas Down there There we go <laughs> Hashtag Vote for Karas And uh, Then after that November We'll get back to 1996 off uh, my rump And watch uh, Good friends Better enemies So that's going to do it And Dylan I thank you again for this We had a couple Audio hiccups Nothing too bad And uh, still a bunch of fun Talking to you As always And uh, we'll get you on uh, Down the line I'm sure
1: It was awesome Joe Thanks
0: for having me on Okay, all right. Thanks everyone for listening. Talk to you.